0: Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? These are the timeless questions everybody's dealing with. And the new series called I Believe shows how the story at the center of your life forms your life and informs those questions. This morning, we're, we're, we're as we're going through chapter by chapter through the Apostles' Creed, we're starting off. Last week we talked about I Believe, just what it means to believe in God's story of creation, fall, redemption, and recreation. This morning... We're talking about the Creator God, the God behind all creation, that we can know Him, that He's revealed Himself, and that's how we know Him. He's revealed Himself in what He's done and what He said. Now, a lot of times people think that, that their subjective or their feelings about God uh, really is the only thing that they need to inform them about God, and, and that's become a, a real trend. There's a, uh, there's a book by uh, Christian Smith Called soul searching, and he interviewed 3,000 young people across the United States, and this is what they said: They, they said that they basically believe in um, in what's called moralistic uh, therapeutic deism. Now that's a lot of words, but basically it's just saying this: that God's at a distance, and He wants us to be happy and behave. <laughs> that that's pretty much what what he discovered. Uh, but just imagine this just imagine that you yourself are being introduced by a friend of yours to speak. Maybe it's in front of the class or maybe it's at a dinner. And this person introduces you as loving deep sea fishing, but you know you get seasick. And they're describing you, they say, War Eagle. They, they describe you as an Auburn fan, but you went to Georgia or you love Georgia football. And later on you say, well, what was that? What kind of introduction was that? And you said, well, that's just the way I see you. All our thoughts and feelings about God need to be informed by what God says about himself in creation and through his word. From the word of God, Psalm 19. Hear God's word this morning. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech... Nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out of of its chamber like a bridegroom, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is God's word. Let us pray. God, now may the words of, our, of my mouth and, and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a personal God behind all creation. How do we know him? We know him by what he's done, by creating what he's made and experiencing that creation, one and two. And then three and four, we know him by his word and by experiencing his word. So we know him in creation and experiencing it. We know him by his word and experiencing it. Let's take a look. So we know God because he speaks through what he's made. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, it's hard to look at a sunset and just say, that's a big, fiery ball of gas, right? <laughs> if you just described it that way, everybody around you would say, you're missing something, right? I mean, we were down at the beach one time. We were looking for that, that green flash that they say, you know, sometimes uh, happens when the light separates right as the, the sun's about to dip, um, you know, past the ocean. And everyone is watching this 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 changing painting and the rich colors, the orange and the red, everyone is just in awe. And there, there, there's nobody on the beach that's not captivated by it. And yet, today, a lot of people would, even though that's, that's how everybody experiences or, or that's how everybody looks at creation, today people, people describe life and describe creation as just something that can be deconstructed as just something that, that can be explained away as if the sun were just a big fiery ball of gas and nothing more to us. You know, I think this, this is a particular view of the world, a cynical view of the world, because sometimes we, we don't want to see what we don't want to see. Sometimes people don't want to be gullible. They don't they want to be a fool. They don't want to be the one in the room who is considered naive or simple. And so we deconstruct everything you know, Somebody said that the, the purpose of seeing through something is in order, in order to see what's on the other side, like a window to a garden. But if you see through the garden too, then to see through everything is actually not to see. But sometimes we don't want to be accountable. We don't want to, to see creation as personal. We don't want to see it as created because simply we just want what we want when we want it. We want to be free of any kind of authority above us. That's what Adu Huxley, a philosopher and author, uh, wrote. He said, I had motive for not wanting the world to have meaning. I had motive for not wanting the world to have meaning. Consequently, I assumed that it had none and was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem of pure metaphysics. He's also concerned to prove that there's no valid reason why he personally should not do what he wants to do. So here's a new Huxley just, he's just admitting that he's dismissing authority because he wants to do it. He says this He says, For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. Romans one twenty, Paul says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what His, He has made, so that they are without excuse. Now, imagine this. Imagine you're at the restaurant. A friend of mine used to do this. He'd, he'd, uh, you'd see him and he'd leave, and then the waitress would come or the server would come and, and, and say, Your bill's been paid, and we knew it was him. See, we knew him by what he did, by that action. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. You know, we developed a great affection for him because of his tendency. to, And and we saw him do it to other people as well. He'd just pay their bill. He was gone. Couldn't see him. He was out of the picture. But what he had done remained. Now, imagine imagine the server coming to your table and saying, you know, your bill just paid itself. I I can't understand it. I don't know why. But it's just like right down to the last penny. It just was perfectly paid for, and we just can't figure it out. <laughs> of course, we can experience God when we see creation for what it is created. Jesus said, Let those who have ears, let them hear. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. So we can know God through what he has done. Second, we know God through what he's done by experiencing it on a personal level. Not just to see it, not just to see that it was created, not just to understand that the sun is more than a fiery, not, not just to, to recognize the fine-tuning of the universe, in other words, paid down to the last penny, but to experience it on a personal level. Poet Gerard Manley Hopkins says this, The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to greatness like the ooze of oil. Why does creation affect us like art? Art is a personal expression. It is the artist trying to connect with people who are viewing it. It is is somebody who is expressing himself or herself and connecting personally with the one who's listening or seeing it art speaks to us because it is so deeply personal I want you to look at at this little clip of a flash mob it is a public place public setting those of you who are listening on the radio you'll, you'll hear it in just a minute but it's it's this uh, orchestrated but surprise in this marketplace of all these strangers milling about their business and all of a sudden they uh, one, one person with an instrument shows up and starts playing, and then another, and then another. And then dozens of, of people join this chorus and they sing this, this the Ode to Joy by Bach. Now, what I want you to see is not only it, it is not only the art itself, but people's faces and their response to it. Take a look. So what you see there and what you hear there and what you experience there is the personal nature of something that was created. The beauty of it. Someone who's who's able to cull out the personal nature of a creative expression. Because why? Because we put ourselves into our creation. It's it's a connection on a level that only arts can get to sometimes. Here's what the artist that is the psalmist is describing so poetically he's describing the sun and he's saying and this is a little PG13 he's saying he's saying the sun is like like a bridegroom just coming out of emerging from his chamber the morning after his wedding night just so fired up so excited or or a champion someone a great runner breaking the tape and saying yes you know he's poetically describing the experience of God's creation. Why? Because because that gets to the level of creative self-expression. We can experience God through what He has made on a personal level. But that's not enough. It's not enough just to see God in the world, but we need to see Him in the Word. Not just world, but world. To see what He's created, to experience what He's created, we also need to see and experience in his word. In other words, we know him by what he's spoken in creation, but we also know him by what he has spoken through his word, that the word is God-breathed. It is inspired, not just inspiring. Now, yes, we, we, we have fun with the word. Well, actually, here, here's what Isaac Watts says. He says this, great hymn writer. He says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. In every star thy wisdom shines, but when our eyes behold thy word, we read thy name in fairer lines. World and word. It's not just inspiring. It is God-breathed. It is inspired. Now, we, we relate to Scripture on a lot of different levels. Sometimes we just have fun with Scripture. I read about uh, this sign over a nursery at a church. A nursery. It says this. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We can have fun with Scripture, right? People make needlepoint. It's, it's inspiring. They, they look at a certain Scripture and they say, um, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I heard somebody say recently, um, I can do all things through a Scripture taken out of context. We, we need to make sure that, that we understand what is being said and what's not being said. But we're inspired. And we find Scripture inspiring. But do we find it? God-breathed, inspired. There are a couple of ways that we know that the Word is God-breathed. Two ways. Number one, and this is from John Calvin, the great uh, Reformed theologian, reformer, in the 1500s. He said this, The Word and Spirit always go together. It's personal, right? The Spirit is not just a force, not just a power. It is a person of God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that spirit bears witness to our souls. He says it this way. Our understanding that God's word is God's word is founded on the inward persuasion of the spirit. So it is God, the very God who spoke scripture through the eyewitnesses, through the actions of God in human history, the very same person is bearing witness to our souls that what he did and what he spoke and what was recorded is the truth. It is his word. But I want you to be careful about this. A lot of people want to know, does God still speak today? Does he Yeah, you know, we understand that that when we're we're praying, Romans uh eight twenty-six says that 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 the Spirit intervenes and and prays for us sometimes with words with groanings too deep for words. We understand that that God is a wonderful counselor and Jesus says uh, Lo, I'm with you always. I'm leaving my Spirit to be with you, and and we have a Counselor, right? But we are accountable to the Word. We're accountable to community, and I think we have to be careful that that we not uh, that we not recognize that there's something that, that there's nothing better of what inspires us. There's no better inspiration than the Word taking us to Jesus not the word it's not better that the word takes us to some prediction about what's going to happen next year in the election cycle or what's happening in anything around the world world as though it were some kind of code the code has been broken and and the key to the code is Jesus there's no greater expression there's no greater conclusion than we can draw than Jesus is lord this is what All of the prophets and the law and the commands that he is speaking about in the Psalms is pointing to. That Jesus is is the ultimate revelation of God. He is his own word, his own personal self-expression. So be careful that that you're not adding to the word or that you're, you're locating authority in yourself because... Um, because somehow you feel like God's still small voice said something to you, you're accountable to the word. You're accountable to your community together. Paul understood this. The Bereans around him said, we're always checking up on Paul. Paul himself, who wrote scripture. The Bereans were always, it says, the Bereans were always checking up on Paul to see if what he was saying lined up with the rest of scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. We don't just come out and say, I had this sense or this feeling. We're accountable to each other. That's why why Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, he says, Our Father, not just my Father, our Father. You see? It's accountability to the word. So so the spirit, so that's, that's just an aside. The point here is that God tells us that his word is true through the counsel of his spirit. But he points us to the word. Second, we know God's word is his word because we trust it. And we apply it and we see the benefit. The psalmist says, you know, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. His precepts are right. It it rejoices the heart. It, it, It revives the soul. And in keeping the law is great reward. Verse 11. See, what's happening is life is lived forwards but understood backwards. The law is lived and applied forwards, but understood backwards. When you trust it and you see the benefit of it, the assurance comes that this is more than inspiring. It is inspired. So we, we understand that the Word of God is the Word of God through the counsel of His Holy Spirit and through applying it and seeing the benefit. But second. We know God personally, not just because we have the testament of the Holy Spirit and that we apply it, but also that we experience on a personal level the delight of God's Word. He's talking about the commands. He's talking about the rules. He's talking about these things that sometimes we think of as just dried ink on a page. Why is He talking about it as honey from the honeycomb? Why is He talking about it as gold? Well, here's the reason. You know how you've read Scripture Uh, one scripture a hundred times and then suddenly it just sort of rings home to you, it resonates with you? That's because the scripture has one meaning. It was written with the author's original intent. Scripture has one meaning, but it has a thousand significances. Now, it doesn't mean that those significances can change what it says, but sometimes you read scripture and finally the meaning actually rings true to you and you see the jewel, but there's a facet to that jewel and that facet is its significance its personal significance to you that's why he's describing it as honey he's experiencing it on a personal level God is revealing what himself through his scripture God is revealing himself let me see if I can explain what I'm talking about there's an exercise that I have people go through sometimes when they're having trouble connecting with each other, having trouble talking to each other. It's very simple. It's just called mirroring. It's uh, by a guy named Carl Rogers. And he says, just repeat back in your own words what the other person is saying. And I watch this happen time and time and time again. It's just incredible what happens. People are talking to each other. They're at odds with each other. There's this distance. And then someone says something, and, and instead of judging or instead of agreeing or disagreeing, they just said, here's what I hear you saying. And they say it back, and the other person says, you can see it in their face. It's like, he finally gets it. And they, they, then they take another risk. Now watch this. It's like going down the iceberg underneath the water line. And they say, okay, yeah, that's what I meant, but here's why. Here's the reason why. And then the person repeats it back to them again, and they go even deeper, and they say, yes, the reason why is that I've had, I have this, this sense that this is true. I've had this worry or this fear. And you see what's happening is the person is revealing himself to their beloved. You see, this is exactly what God is doing for us through his word. That when you know Christ, when when God speaks Christ into your life through forgiveness, then you are enabled to hear and to see God's own personal revelation of himself. He is actually making himself the God of the universe. The God who of all creation, the God who made you, is actually revealing himself vulnerably, making himself known to you. And what's he saying? He's saying, He's saying that Jesus is that fullest expression of what God wants to say to us: of his grace and his truth. Hebrews 1:3 says this. It says, Uh, throughout uh, human history God spoke to to us by various means through the law and the prophets but in these final days God has spoken to us through his son and so what we should be gathering from and experiencing in God's word is the person of Christ himself that all of the word that from Genesis through the maps that what God is saying is He speaking himself into our lives and recreating us through that word, that word of grace and truth. Here's how John Wesley puts it. He says, he was listening to someone speak about Galatians, and he said, about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change with which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, Wesley says this, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That's John Wesley. God has spoken his story. The Apostles' Creed uh, are chapters in that story of creation, fall, redemption, and recreation. Through creation, he's speaking and connecting with us on a personal level. Through his word, he is speaking and connecting with us on a personal level. What he's saying to you, he's speaking Christ into your life that you may become like him. He is recreating, not just redeeming, but recreating you through his word and by his word so that you can have this assurance that through your life, the meditations of your heart will be acceptable and pleasing in His sight. Let's pray together. Holy God, how we thank You that You're able to speak even today, that You speak to us through creation, that You speak to us through Your Word. And we pray, God, that the Word would become for us a jewel, precious in our sight, that it would become... To us a delight that it would be like honey to our lips that lord you would find us in the places where we find ourselves running from you that you would find us in places where we're ordering life around something else besides your great story and that you would respeak and recreate in us your your very life the life of jesus christ May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen.